It's Wednesday, October 11th on the Sleepers Podcast. Carter Elliott and Greg Waddell coming to you live from a Kroger in Bloomington, Indiana that Kendall Jenner is at. How are you this morning, Carter? I'm doing great. I have a I have an announcement to make, though, Gregory. What do you got? We've officially made the turn. Okay, the weather's changing. Mm-hmm. Things are changing. Leaves are changing. We are officially making the transition over to warm coffee. It was a good iced coffee summer. I enjoyed it very much. Uh, but we're moving on. We are on to warm coffee. I can't disagree more. I think I'll be drinking iced coffee in December. Like, we do, do you do you drink iced coffee year round? Uh, I, I, you know, this is really my first calendar year as a coffee drinker. I feel like you know this. It used to be like Starbucks refreshers, and you're yeah. not gonna get, you're not going to get a warm refresher. So I, uh, I generally don't love hot coffee. Like whenever possible, I would prefer iced. I don't like the sensation of hot. Like I'm not a huge hot chocolate guy. Also hate hot foods. So I'll be curious. Like maybe if I'm like outdoors tailgating, then yes, give me a hot coffee. But if I'm just like bringing it home to podcast, I think I'll still be rocking with the ice. I respect that. I I usually fully transition. Like when I like today's announcement, you won't see me with an iced coffee. So with the full transition and the official leap forward into a new season, does that also mean that your breakfast bit ends? Because I don't think we can count bringing a warm coffee as a breakfast bit. It's actually not breakfast because we had a little bit of a delay today. So it's more of a snack before I get into my lunch in probably an hour or two. And we got pistachios that are already broken, by the way, because we're a run from the grind, skip getting it out the mud podcast. I don't want to crack my own pistachios when I can buy a bag of them already cracked and you just i mean underrated snack really i'm dying at framing us that way like i mean we we respect people who do get it out the mud but uh you know whenever possible we prefer not to get it out the mud if i can be out of the mud i'd rather be out of the mud i just you know just that that's what that's the way i rather approach it respect anyone who is but uh, wow. Okay. Well, it, on the lines of you saying we're in a new season, turn the page. Uh, I do feel like we've kind of done that into college basketball season. I don't know if it was media day or what, but really the last 24 hours, you texted me even, you just said like, I'm so excited for this. It feels like it's here. Uh, our discord's going crazy. This is not a discord plug, but I checked this morning. There's 119 people in the discord, including like an actual media member that I won't name, but I think he watches the show who I really appreciate jumping into our discord for. Um, so things are growing. Like the, the dialogue is going off. Everybody's getting to know each other. Everybody's talking, excited. You can feel it for college hoops. And uh, we're not having to stretch for topics anymore. So uh, I'm loving this. I'm realizing that doing this daily with you is going to be so fun once we actually get to the season. And uh, because of that, we have a lot of topics that kind of just came up organically, either in the Discord or in our YouTube comments yesterday. We didn't really have to work to bring topics today. Stuff is happening and people are giving us things they want us to talk about. So this should be a really fun episode. Uh, We'll start, as always, with the Carter Elliott comment of the day. Let me go ahead and pull that up. Actually, you know, also shout out to YouTube commenters. Uh, Like I always say, we do always read all the YouTube comments to ourselves and like to discuss them. But they've always been, you know, very, very, very active. So I just want to go ahead and go. Let's see. Shout out to all the Kansas fans that made their way to our comments. They were very, uh, very, very uh, active yesterday. Can I address something with the Kansas fans real quick? I don't know if you're going to pick a Kansas comment or not. but So 
One of the comments uh, was basically like, like, we got a lot of like, who are these bozos? Oh, they're just haters, whatever. A lot of people like accurately calling out, oh, you sound like an ex-girlfriend. You're just mad at Hunter. Correct. <laughs> like That is absolutely happening here. Uh, but beyond that, somebody was like, oh, these guys just want the Kansas clicks. That's not accurate. I want to be extremely clear. Anytime we've done a Kansas video on the channel in the last three years, it's been some of our worst performing videos. Like if we were just catering to clicks, we would just keep talking about Illinois and be an Illinois podcast every day. Or we would talk about Kentucky, who we had a video go viral for, or North Carolina, who we had a video go viral for. We haven't had that happen with Kansas. This is not about clicks. We're talking about Kansas because you're in the top five. Hunter Dickinson is the player that's going to do the most dramatic things. And sorry, if Kansas fans are going to be upset at us for talking about Hunter Dickinson, it's going to be a long four months for them. I think that needed to be said. Thank you. Um, this comment is actually, this is from Rhoda, Rhoda Varp. Will Shedder is the backup four, and he will surprise folks this season. Comment. Do I really have to? I, I, Will, Will Shutter's going to play a lot of minutes this year, isn't he? Or no? I hope not. On paper, I don't think we need it as bad as last year, but it, it's possible, right? I mean, Can it, he all shoot? De- it all depends on how good Trey Jackson is, to be honest. Can, can Shutter shoot? In theory, in practice, no. We haven't seen it on a college basketball court. So, like, we're not – there's no chance we get, like, Cheddar at the three, Olivier at the four. No, no, no. No, no, no. (laughs) Cheddar – if Cheddar plays, it's at the four or the five. I mean, I I would honestly think maybe there's a world where he's backup center if uh, Aaliyah can't play and you don't want to go Kamwa because Kamwa's too good to take off the floor. You want to play him at the four. Um Look, I don't, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but the end of Michigan's bench is a big reason why they were so bad last year. Like, we need to go from how many minutes that Terrence Williams and Will Shetter and friend of the podcast, Jace Howard, and a couple others, we needed to go from all those minutes they played last year to as little as possible from that group this year if Michigan wants to take a leap forward. And I think, credit to Juwan Howard, he went out and tried to address that. It's not a coincidence that the two names that he targeted from the jump were both power forwards like Trey Jackson and Olivier Kamwa are here so that you don't need to play Terrence Williams in a starter role again. But that now puts a lot of pressure on Trey Jackson to be good. We know Kamwa is going to be good. We know he is what he is. We have no idea if Trey Jackson is like unplayable or maybe a good starter. It's probably somewhere in between that, but um, also Jackson's a four, in my opinion, they're going to play him at the three out of necessity He's a four. So in an ideal world, no, there's zero minutes for Will Cheddar. Uh, when Olivier goes to the backup five, you just play Trey Jackson at his natural position at the four, and you hope that some of the backup guards, whether it's George Washington the third, whether it's Yusuf Kayat, uh, you hope some of those guys are good enough to play the three. Okay. Uh, I don't want to get too caught up on this, but I just want a quick refresher here. Was Olivier between West Virginia and Michigan or Baylor and Michigan? I think all of them were rumored. It ended up being West Virginia or Michigan in the end. And people thought it was going to be West Virginia for the bag. Mm, interesting. Okay. What does that mean? I was just picturing Olivier at Baylor this season. I think that would really work. Yeah. Yeah. But look, like if you're Olivier, I'll give him some credit. I think he, if his goal is truly to like get on the NBA radar, I think the best option for him was Michigan. 
And that that has nothing to do with like Baylor would be a better team if he went to Baylor. But, um, you know, if you're a guard looking to feature yourself, put up some numbers, go to Baylor. If you're a wing shaped person that wants to be a first option. okay. like a Jawan Howard offense is not a bad place to be for a wing shaped person that wants to be in the league. We've seen that uh, over and over and over again, including Musa Diabate, who's a four, who is like in the Clippers rotation in the preseason right now. He's looking pretty good. I strive to one day reach a level where someone refers to me as wing shaped. I just, <laughs> I just want you to know, like I'm putting that in my iPhone notes and every day that I'm working out now, it's I'm going to look at that before I go get it in. One day at a time, man, you're getting there. I, uh, I quickly alluded to the fact that Jace Howard, friend of the program. Now we clipped out our questions. We would have asked at big 10 media day segments yesterday. And uh, we tagged everybody in it. You did the clips, clickbait cart. Jace immediately DM'd me personally with his answer to our question. So I won't reveal it uh, because that was sent privately. I don't know if he wants it publicly. I did reveal it to those in the Discord, though, because we have a secrets channel in the Discord. So <laughs> paid sleepers followers got to see what Jace Howard's uh, answer was. Very intriguing, though. I love I, I can't believe I'm, I love Jace Howard right now. Like, I am genuinely a huge fan of Jace Howard right now. I'm a big fan of anyone named Jace. Yeah, there's a lot of great Jaces in the world. A lot of them. Uh, let's move on. Should we go to the Discord? Yes. All right. So this is a total mess. This is my biggest challenge as a host of anything I've ever hosted today. Uh, since yesterday's episode was posted, we have a comments channel, and that's where we direct people to comment. We got some good comments last night, and then I blew that up this morning with uh, – a oh what's the hot take that has people looking at you like that meme of kevin james and then mm -hmm. dives at you uh and that's what i asked i wanted to do that as a topic today i forgot all about it and then we had like five thousand comments from people uh that spurned out of that so actually cart do you want to do that as our third topic today now that i'm thinking about it on the fly can we do that yeah, yeah. okay instead of the better conference one we we're going to do let's do what's the the hot take um okay point is we're not going to read all the comments today we'd be here for six hours if so and i think most of this dialogue is not intended to be read on the show so i'm going to try and sift through this as best i can and at a certain point i'll probably cap it but again shout out to everybody in the discord for a respectful uh fun discussion back and forth from opposite sides today yeah and also if anybody's listening to this that has an expertise with discord um uh, myself and gregory are trying to you know, learn as we go on this, but we're not Discord veterans by any means. We're still rookies in the game. Yes, we're looking trending towards first team all rookie and rookie of the year honors in Discord, but we're still learning as we go. So if anyone has any tips, uh, I feel like that's the good part about the Discord right now. It's pretty transparent as well. So like, you know, we're able to add some channels. People are being respectful, but as college basketball season starts to ramp up, we foresee, you know, more people joining, more opinions of you know arising left and right so you know if anyone out there wants to get like a little little mod reps or something like that for another discord they're getting ready for more than happy to have you just letting that be known yeah i'm a man i'm 30 i never intended to start a discord okay i started this discord because ulamog told me i needed a discord and when ulamog says jump i say how high i have no idea what i'm doing so we, we're clearly at the point we need moderation and we need uh, 
I don't know, just some things that could make the experience a lot better for everybody. I think everybody's having a fun time in there, but help us out if you want to. It's $9.99 to join the Discord. Link in the description of every single video. Again, 119 people in there right now. That's incredible. Not all of those are paid members. So they can't see everything, but uh, we're getting up there in numbers, and we had like 10 plus yesterday. It was great. First comment of the day from Booby, one of the new users in here. He says, starting a new personal daily comment. Booby's under the radar player of the day. Day one. Stanford forward, Jalen Thompson. I have extreme beef with Stanford. <laughs> Why? Because, so, look, first of all, a little insight. My wife actually did an internship at Stanford one of the first summers we started dating. Unbelievable place. Unbelievable campus. Like, I love visiting her out there. I love doing everything about it. The Stanford basketball program irks me because they get five-star kids based on, I think, the greatness of the campus and the greatness of the education. And yes, education is great, but I hate seeing good players go there and waste away and lose on the first day of the the Pac-12 tournament and then never to be seen again before they enter the draft. Yeah, I think that's fair. I love watching you try to pretend you care about education. That's always fun. Uh, Josh Childress was one of my first favorite players ever. Like, absolutely loved him. Lopez twins, loved him. Yeah, and the the old – I don't know if they still have them. I don't even think they do. But the old, like, Stanford uniforms that kind of had the Gonzaga, like, line through the middle. Of the yep. Line. I don't think they use those anymore. Yeah. They're, it, sleeping Giant? Can we go that far? I've said Iowa's the Midwest Sleeping Giant. Are they the West Coast Sleeping Giant? Maybe. I don't know. Be, the thing is, if they get really good and they want to be a true giant, admissions is going to rear their ugly head. They got to stay in there. They, gotta, they stay in their lane so that admissions can play their role. Yeah. I mean, they have a huge tree as a mascot. That's that's fun. I like that. Let's move on, though. Fam says uh, he's beginning to worry about the gap that's left with Joey Hauser leaving, if he's being fully honest. This is the main thing I'm concerned with going into the year. Trey getting back up minutes a second. I think people really slept on Hauser. He was so berated in his first year at MSU that I think the loud part of the fan base never wanted to fully admit they were wrong. Like, are we sure MSU goes way up tempo with brick feet Malik Hall after multiple surgeries? Not the same guy that couldn't miss against Seton Hall. I'm very real, very real concerned. I mean, I think that's my main concern uh, with this Michigan State team is probably just, I guess it goes hand in hand with Hauser leaving, but shooting, I think, is what I think we're going to miss. I I think a big talking point is what's going to happen with the front court. I truly think if the back court's good enough and you get good enough production, like off the wing or maybe the four spot, like the the five spot will be – it's just it, we can get by with just a body there, honestly, like a rotation of bodies. We can get by with that. Like you think about great national championship teams. Yes. You know, like Sonogo was a great five man. I, I admit that. But I don't know. I just don't know if dominant big men are necessarily essential to a title winning team. I think if you can just get a solid type of production, even if it's from more than one person, uh, I think it can kind of cover some things up. I'm I am concerned about the shooting though because the fact that you had Tyson, Jaden and Hauser last year all shooting over 40%, I mean uh percentage-wise they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. So, uh th- that's going to take a dip this year. I would push back on you saying they can get by with just a guy at the 4 by just adding this. I don't think you can get by with a guy at the 4 and No. The five. No, no, no. I said we can get by with a guy at the 5. 
Oh, at the five. I thought you were saying at the four. No, no, no. I'm saying if you give me the backcourt, the wing, and a four, like I'm more focused on that production. Got it. Than the the center rotation. If that that's that's what I was getting at. Got it. Yeah, I think the point is you you couldn't get by with both. You need somebody at either the four or the five to be uh, someone that matters on the court. And to be honest, I don't know that Malik Call is for is for for sure that um, he could be. And to me, the idea of Malik Hall has always been better than the actual player, Malik Hall. And this is a great opportunity because in the past, you've had Hauser right there that if you're getting bad Malik Hall for a day, you don't even have to worry about it. This year, like, depending on what Booker and Carr look like, you might need to play Malik Hall through the inconsistencies. So yeah. uh, he has a great opportunity. He could definitely rewrite his story. He could have that great breakout senior Michigan State year that we've seen from a lot of guys. Kenny Goins being the last one. Wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if Malik Hall has great moments, but I do think there's a leap that needs to be taken there. And back to, since people kept comparing Michigan State to Baylor, just throwing this out. Baylor won the national title. They had three nasty guards. Then you look at like, what did they have in the front court? Mark Vital, elite glue guy. They mm-hmm. had two just like catch and finish bigs in Chama Chachua and Flo Thamba. Mm-hmm. That's, those guys aren't that much better than Madi Sissoko, but they also had Adam Flagler off the bench. So they had a fourth killer and they mm-hmm. had Matthew Meyer, who just for 15 minutes in the game could come in and just snipe. Mm-hmm. And he scored eight points a game in 15 minutes on that team. I don't know that Michigan State's going to have that, right? At minimum, they don't have like a front court stretch four. They can just fly into the game and have him gun the way Joey Hauser did. Um, again, Izzo's talking up Booker a little bit. Like he's he's gassing, he's slow playing the his role early, but he's like, he's so skilled. So I don't know, maybe it could be Booker or Malik, but I think you need somebody. You need somebody to prove they can make outside shots at the four on this team. Let's yeah. See if that happens. Basketball Jones says he just wanted to add that his Hubert Davis Brady Manic comment was not meant to be taken serious. He thought it was an obvious joke troll comment. I thought it was serious and a great comment. <laughs> <laughs> I did too. It works. Yeah, it works. We like it better than you do, Basketball Jones. Melba says regarding Braden Smith and point guard lists, it's been reported he is very well aware of such omissions and is, quote, super pissed. The list mentioned specifically was the one from CBK Report, but no doubt he's seen a bunch of them. On behalf of all Purdue fans, we'd like to thank everyone for lighting an even bigger fire under his butt. Gregory, can I be honest with you? Of course. I just got a text from my wife the minute you started reading that comment, and I just missed everything you just said. Can you please repeat that? I was gonna try to fake it, but I I just realized I should just. It was just a it was a great comment from Melba about Braden Smith being very aware of when he's left off of lists, specifically one from CBK report, and she would like to thank on behalf of Purdue fans everyone who's leaving Braden off of lists. See, I like that, but at the same time, if my point guard is concerned about CBK report, that concerns me. Okay, to flip that, AJ's definitely concerned about people, probably including us, leaving him off of... See, I think he was going at Andrew Katz. I think AJ was going at us. I think he was going at everybody. We, I did, mean, we leave, did, we, did we leave him off a list? We leave AJ off everything, man. We have a thousand clips of us in the last year, including you saying you would trade him for Boo Booey two days ago. <laughs> like, I, look, and I think we're right. I don't think we're wrong here, but I... Uh, Man, AJ keeps winning me over though. I'm I'm so you you let la- la- towards the end of last season, you started to get on on the WAP train. Well, it's just like 
it's so delusional. I almost have to respect it. Like that's and at the very minute, it's fun. Like I'm not gonna ignore the fact AJ Hogarth is fun. I'm willing to say that now. And I give him credit for like fighting through the adversity and choosing to keep playing for Tom Izzo, even though they don't always see eye to eye. Like I give him credit for that. He's tough. Uh it's just hilarious. Like him walking in after three straight 13 loss seasons and looking everybody in the eye and being like, a lot of people say that I'm not who I am. Like, who are you? It's kind of like, who, who does he, does he think he's a first team all American? Does he think he's the best point guard in the big 10? He definitely thinks that. Yeah. Plus, he doesn't have the success or the numbers of that. So like, I respect the confidence. I respect the delusion. I think that's a fair word to call it. And uh, it's fun. Like he, he won me over. That's a bar. I, they don't think I am who I am. It's such <laughs> a great comment. I'm in with you. Do you think at the end of this season, we fast forward, who's the best point guard in the Big Ten? Boo. Boo? It's a it's a no-brainer boo. If you put boo on any of these other teams, I think they are upgraded. Okay. No, he, I, I just think he's complete. Like, other than you can say you can pick it as defense, but, like, boo is the most complete offensive guy. He's going to make open shots. He can get to his spots. He can get you 30 if he needs 30. He can get you 12 assists if he's surrounded by talent. Like, he is yep. a complete offensive weapon the way Jameer Young and A.J. Hogarth aren't and Braden Smith and every other name you want to pick. I'm with you. And there's nothing wrong with that, too. Like, no. that's, that's not disrespect, A.J. Like, yeah, if you're the second best American. point guard to a possible All-American, that's not that bad. It's second best, third, fourth, fourth best, <laughs> something something along that. But I, in that really, range. I, I, almost, I swear to God, I almost group texted Goodman and Doster again and asked if we could get on another Zoom call just so I could drop the – you don't think I am who I am part of that. <laughs> you know, that's just incredible stuff. Uh, the rest of these, com- this is where the comment section took a turn. I sent the meme of a bunch of knives at Kevin James. And the question from Bleacher Report Hoops said, what college hoops opinion got you like this? Uh, I threw it out because I thought it would be a fun topic. We're going to do a whole segment on it with our answers, but I want to read some answers from members of the discord in here. Cause I think this is a fun concept. Uh, Koi and Melba both said this is hard. Uh, well, Melba said that's what she said. Koi said this is harder than I thought. Basketball Jones starts us off. He says, whispers, Kansas isn't even a top three team in Maui this year. Ooh. Okay, so Maui field. It's Arkansas, Purdue. Is UCLA in there? Gonzaga, Marquette, Purdue, Tennessee, UCLA, Syracuse, Chaminade, Kansas. I mean, is that really – I mean, I, first of all, I know Basketball Jones is the biggest Tennessee fan of all time, so that's definitely part of that. I don't think that's the hottest take. You can make an argument for that. I think Hot would be saying they're not top four. Yeah. To, to me, Marquette, Tennessee, and Purdue. I can buy that. Yeah. Gonzaga would be where it gets hot. but that, uh, that's, where, that's where you lose me. A lot of people do. A lot of people would throw knives at you for saying Kansas isn't even the best team in Maui. So I like that one, Basketball Jones. Uh, coming down here, Ryan Lyon flew in from the sky, and this is what lit the chat on fire. But let's, <laughs> let's read through some of his here. Number one, Matt Painter only has a job still because of Carson Edwards, Jaden Ivey, and Zach Eady. Very similar to how Kenneth Walker carried redacted into an $80 million contract. That's an absolutely insane comment. But I love that logic. I said that like it, it's so wrong. Ryan Lyon has he shouldn't have a problem with us saying on the show. It's so wrong. But 
uh, like I want to steal that and use that all the time from now on. Like if, if you took away Derek Rose, Anthony Davis, and uh, I don't know, John wall and John wall, John Calipari would be fired. <laughs> like how do you have to give them credit for getting those guys It's three different eras, man. It's crazy. <laughs> I love that comment. Uh, more moving on. I want to read the rest of Ryan Lyons. Jaden Akins is a much better basketball player than Coleman Hawkins and could be an all American as a first option somewhere else. I mean, I, I would listen to the argument that Jaden Akins is a better basketball player than Coleman Hawkins. I wholeheartedly agree that Jaden Akins should be an all American somewhere else. Why didn't he go somewhere else? <laughs> I've been screaming this for months and people are mad at me. Uh, he says that I say stupid stuff about Michigan state sometimes to char his chicken. I don't say anything to char anybody's chicken. I, I might want to ban the phrase charring my chicken. Uh, he says he likes your opening bits on the pod. That's a hot take. That's a very hot take. Actually, no, that's only a hot. You're the only one who doesn't like it. He says the 2018 Michigan team that made the championship got extremely lucky in the tournament and competition they faced. I uh, don't think that's a hot take at all. I was calling it out at the time. Yeah, It's almost like the tournament is fluky. It, it, almost like there's some luck involved. Almost like the better teams don't always win in the tournament. Really? Mm. Really? Coy's mm. uh, got one I like here, and I'm actually going to piggyback it when we get to the segment later. Spoiler alert. He says Gonzaga isn't actually an elite program. They're a Mark Few departure away from being a team that we never talk about again. We've actually had that discussion before. Yeah, we're going to have it again in about okay. 20 minutes. I'm pretty excited. Uh, Melba says, I don't actually think this, but I bet there's someone out there who thinks that college basketball should adopt the Elam ending. Mm, um, yeah, no, I know a lot of people do. I'm out on that. Yeah, I don't like the Elam ending, but I do agree there's people out there that want it. Macon says Armando Baycott has very little impact on winning, and I'd probably take 10-ish centers on my team before him. Ooh, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know if I can get jiggy with that one. I was in before the number 10 was dropped. Yeah. I think I'd take five other centers over Baycott, though. Yeah, I would. Yeah, 10, 10's a little much. 10's a lot. Uh, and then – Guy, our list guy, he's back. Uh, he's also he wants to do a list of fun guys for Thursday. I don't love the fun guys. I told him this already, but uh, I'm airing. Yeah, I guess you could say I'm airing dirty laundry as we work on guys' list right now. But the fun guys list is just like seven guys we've already had on our list. <laughs> I right. like I love the theory of it, but like, how many times can we put Kisei Tominaga number one on a list? Yeah, I, I, we're gonna have to have a Kisei dialogue one day too. Oh, really? I don't want to yeah. have that today. So let's Okay, we won't. But like put it I'm I'm the sleeper's notebook. Okay. In the topic section, um, it's being written down. Okay. The guy says he loves Caleb Love. That's his hot take. Uh I respect your love for Caleb Love, guy. I really do. I wish that I could get there with him. I like Caleb Love. Jay Meisner piggybacked off that and said your love will be vindicated with a Caleb Love reel from Arizona's Instagram account. We respect that. Uh and then yeah, the rest of this just went off the rails everybody back at ryan lyon for his takes uh i think we have over a thousand comments since then into this morning so uh if you want to read all that if you want to join all of that if you want to tell ryan lyon his takes stink join the discord to do so 
$9.99 a month. Link in the description of every video. We would love to have you in there to support us, support this community, and uh, keep the lights on, quite frankly. If we didn't have this Discord right now, there's just no way we would be podcasting every single day. That's what it is. Carl, we also have a meeting this afternoon. We're not going to say live on the show who the meeting is with, but we did say in the Secrets channel in the Discord. So if you're supporting the Sleepers, they know secrets about plans for our upcoming season that could be pretty needle moving for us as an entity if this call goes well instead of this call going awful. That's true. And if it does go well, get prepared for the switch up. Just let that be known. What if it goes awful? If it goes awful, get prepared to have a new enemy for us. <laughs> we don't need any more enemies. Let's go. Uh, let's go to the topics today. I don't think we had that many, but. Let's just start the topics today. I'm kind of jumping around the order, but uh, I I feel like talking about this one first. Big Ten Media Day was yesterday. We were not there. We put out our questions we would have asked. There was a lot of good content that came from it. I actually want to give a shout out to John Fanta, who I thought did a phenomenal job covering everything yesterday. He got the quote from AJ Hogard. He had some great quotes from Izzo about Jeremy Fears and his team in general. He had really great quotes from every single coach in the conference. John Fanta is the best in the business, and uh, it was good to see him getting so much value out of that day, even though we weren't there. I just loved, as a fan of the Big Ten, seeing what he was able to pull out of it. One of the things he was able to pull out of it was a quote from Illinois head coach Brad Underwood. You know we love Brad Underwood. Daddy Brad, he is my father. He owns me. Brad Underwood said this, everybody's worried about point guard, but me. We've made a bunch of jokes at the point guard expense or at Illinois expense for point guard this offseason. Uh, he is going on record and saying it's not a problem. Do you believe him? No. Do you believe that Brad Underwood believes that point guard is fine for this team? No. Uh, that's a twofold question right there. He might not think it's he might not think it's a problem. He might, but he did he say the words, I'm not even thinking about that. He said everybody's worried about it but me, pretty much. I think I'm paraphrasing. I don't want to say the wrong quote, but that was it was everybody's worried about point guard except for me. That's see, that's just not true. Because I feel like every single coach who doesn't have an established like play point guard before point guard is worried about point guard play. Point guard play is so massive in college basketball. It's, it's the field of 68 buzzword. There was a there was a season where point guard play was uttered on every single After Dark episode and every single clip that you saw across the college basketball media sphere. Um, so it's it's definitely something that I think he's worried about. And to, to be honest with you, like, if he would have came out and said, yeah, I am worried about it, okay, yeah, there would have been a lot of overreactions. There would have been a lot of probably me and you like, oh, he's worried because it's not going well in practice. But it's 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 an honest thing to say. He probably should be worried about his point guard position. He's bringing in a guy who has not played point guard at the college basketball level before. That he do, he does not have a guy who has played point guard at the college basketball level. So it's it's a real concern to be worried about your point guard play. Now I respect him coming out there and saying I'm not worried about it. You know, kind of maybe sticking with his guys, not opening them up to more criticism from a very critical fan base in the Illinois, you know, fighting Illini, even though we love them and their passionate selves. But yeah, there's, there's just no way he's not concerned about his point guard position. Now the level of concern might be different, but there's just no way he's not concerned even somewhat. 
Yeah, Brad's smart. That's the thing. Like I, somebody was asking us to do like tiers of Big Ten coaches, and when you get outside of Izzo, and right now you have to put Painter near the top. Outside of those two, my my answer for who's the third best coach in this conference every time immediately is Brad Underwood. I don't think there's somebody pressuring him really even for that. Uh, now. What's he supposed to say? Like, of course, every coach at these events is going to get in front of a camera and paint it like they had the best summer ever. Everything is great. They're so excited. Their team can win everything. That's what you're supposed to do at media day. Otherwise, you're doing a horrible job. What I like about Brad is he'll actually talk about basketball and he'll say real things. Like, um, I was going up and down the list of coaches in this conference. There's a lot of guys who uh, just give you the newspaper quote every time. Or even if they don't, even if they're like a little entertaining, they're just too nice of guys. To me, like Izzo and Painter and Brad, coincidentally, the three best coaches in the conference are the three that will actually dissect their teams and talk basketball with you in a serious way. And I prefer Brad from an entertainment value because Izzo gets a little insufferable to me. Like when he said that they were an overtime loss away from the final four, as if they had already beat Florida Atlantic by 30. That was crazy. I, I feel like that was a mistake. You you really think he just messed up? I think he just messed up. I think Izzo is just elite at framing everything as if he gets success for things they didn't do. Like, I, it's <laughs> like, I do the same thing. Like he just was really, really good at it. Um, a painter to me, like entertaining, but how many times can we hear someone just be a really nice guy say, yeah, I run great offense. I recruit tall big men. And I'm thinking about adjusting in March. Like, okay, we get it, dude, Brad, you never know what to expect. Like one minute, Brad is trying to sign point guards. One minute he's signing a caffeine addict. One minute he's blaming the caffeine addict. One minute he's cussing out his players. He's making fart noises. He's talking about booty ball. Like you just never know what to expect from Brad. And the one common consistent thread here with Brad always is that he is genuine. Like Brad doesn't really put on a shtick for better and for worse. Brad Underwood is Brad Underwood, which is starting to make me think maybe he's actually not worried about his point guard spot. Cause I think like, I think we would have heard Brad put a little more honesty into it. He's not a guy who sugarcoats things and he's not a guy who kind of ducks it. So um, I don't know. I've been extremely critical as we both have been on this program. Like they should have went out and got a point guard. I gave their offseason basically a failing grade because they tried to like everything they tried to do this offseason was centered around. Let's get a point guard. They had a big list of names and the, the list started dwindling until it was only Ray J Dennis left. And that's it. And then they went all in on him and they failed. That's a failure to me. But now that you know, you missed it. There's still things in the cupboard here for Illinois basketball. And I still think Brad will make the most of this team. Like Brad always puts together good regular season teams and he's going to do that whether they have a point guard or not. So um, I don't know. I think we're kind of like buying back in on Illinois a little bit. And I, I don't think he should have said anything different here. I think he might like his point guards though. Like shit. As, as, as we go further along, like throughout the summer, we've been talking and getting closer and closer to the season. I feel like I've gradually gotten more in on this Illinois team. Yeah. Like I could see a style of play that could make them successful. I can see a path to, and I, you know, at the start of it, I was kind of at a low point on them with you. Like they didn't get the point guard. All this didn't happen. Yeah. They got Terrence Shannon and Coleman back. That's amazing for them. That's huge in this, in this era of basketball, but also 
you know, they didn't do some things that they went, they set out to do. But as like the summer has gone on and I see the foreign tour and see practice and kind of see what's going on around the program, I'm like talking myself into this Illinois team, like having a path to being a top four team in the Big Ten. Like, I think they'll be on the outside. I think when we ranked them the other day, I had them at maybe like five or six. I had them five. I think we both had them five. I think we both had them five. And yes, I'm in on Maryland, Ohio State, but like, you know, we brought it up on this on this pod before. You know, they're right there. There's teams that are outside the top four that can get themselves a path to that. I think the fourth spot in the Big Ten is going to be one of the most, and this sounds bad, I guess, because it's a fourth spot. But the, that fourth spot is going to be one of the most exciting battles, I think, this year in the Big Ten. Because right now I got Michigan State, Purdue, Maryland as three. I think the fourth spot is going to be a battle between some teams. Can I do the thing where I compare everything back to my program? Mm-hmm. This might be one of my worst comps, but you got to bear with me through this. Okay. I'm starting to get some vibes from Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins as a duo that reminds me of Derek Walton and Zach Irvin as a duo. Here's what I mean by this. They don't play the same styles. They're not necessarily the same type of impacts. Terrence Shannon's only been there two years. It's not four years. But it feels like he's been there forever. Coleman certainly has been there forever. And there's been a lot of ups and downs is the point. Like, these guys have always had a lot of promise. They were prestigious guys from the moment they got together. And they had high regular season moments. Don't get me wrong. Irvin and Walton had those. But they're approaching the twilight of their careers. And they're on the verge of if the season goes exactly how it did last year, they will be remembered as guys who didn't really achieve anything. That is, for lack of a better word, is what it is. I know Coleman was on the team with Kofi. Like, at the end of the day, he could say he was a Big Ten champ, all that. But teams that were Coleman Hawkins teams are going to be remembered as like, yeah, they were there. That's it. Unless they get over the hump this year. And that was the case with Irvin and Walton. They were on the loaded team with Stauskas that was really good. And then they had a couple of iffy years that were marred by injury. And then all of a sudden, these dudes are seniors with one year left. You know this is the final run. And you don't know what to make of it because that Michigan team on paper wasn't that good. But then something turned. Like, I don't even know what it was. Actually, I do know what it was. Walton went nuclear. (laughs) Walton became the best guard in the country for the final month of the season and propelled that Michigan team from just being, like, fine to Big Ten tournament champions, a Sweet 16 team, and one of the best teams in the country over the final stretch of the season. Illinois could do that because Terrence Shannon is capable of doing that. And... Uh, like nobody's comparing him to big 10 player of the year stuff. Cause he's not on Michigan state like Walker is, and he's not Zach Eady, but like Terrence Shannon absolutely could be a first team all American. And regardless of who's playing point guard with him, if Terrence Shannon just makes that personal jump and Coleman Hawkins is right there with him. I think there's a chance this duo could be the duo that like we kind of all took for granted and kind of all overlooked because of other things. But at the end of the day, those two guys are dogs. And if they play well, I wouldn't want to see him in the NCAA tournament. I wouldn't want to see him as a big 10 opponent. I don't think I can't be more in on anything you've ever said. <laughs> That's crazy. It felt weird when I started the cop, but I'm like, no, I'm here. I'm vibes. here. I like it. Like, <laughs> Terrence Shannon Jr. was really good last year for folks who don't like want to admit it. Yeah, he did. He did average seventeen points. Yeah, 
it could happen. And it, I mean, shit, if they have to play him at point guard a little bit, it could definitely happen. Um, <laughs> a, one quick Coleman quote from Big Ten Media today, they asked him what NBA team's feedback was for him. And he said, they want to see me shoot the ball more. I've been a little hesitant in my career. <laughs> one of my favorite quotes ever. I'm kind of in on that. He's never been hesitant, has he? No, never. this is the this is this is the thing. Uh, <laughs> Coleman is not hesitant to shoot the ball. I think he's hesitant to shoot a good shot. Like Coleman rather hesitate if he has an open three, have a guy run out. He's like, you know what? I still want to shoot a three. I'm gonna do one dribble, two dribble, and maybe like shoot like off balance. I think that Coleman step, I talked about it, Coleman step shot selection. If you're like going to be a pick and pop big, just do the popping and the shooting. Like you don't don't hesitate. Like just go up and shoot good shots, and I think it'll help him immensely. So I'm kind of in on that. I know, but Illinois fans will be like, "Oh my God, Coleman shooting more." They're gonna have to groan, moan, and groan a lot more during games now. Yeah, I was just laughing at that. Like that's that's Coleman's one big takeaway from his summers. I need to shoot the ball more. That's what everybody it's like. Respect the kid's already been shooting like NBA range with 30 seconds on the shot clock. Um. Okay, final question for me on this. So we're saying we we don't know if we believe Brad or not. I think we do believe him, but it was like the politically correct answer to say he's not worried about point guard. I would have liked to hear some names. Like if he truly feels great about point guard, I think if I'm him, I respond by being like, well, Gibbs Lawhorn is crushing it. Like Kevin Willard hit the podium and was like, Deshaun Harris Smith is the most talented freshman I've ever coached. I didn't hear that unless I just missed the quotes. Like I didn't hear any like Gibbs Lawhorn's ready from Brad Underwood. I didn't hear any like Justin Harmon's looking great. I didn't hear the specifics. So Gregory, you you know how Illinois works. You know how that locker room works. Oh can't, yeah. Can't you can't use names. You're Cannot right. use names. You can't priority. You can't play favorites. I get Cannot. it. But let's play favorites. It's uh it's March 16th. I don't know. I don't know what day it is. Thursday, the NCAA tournament first round. There's a minute left and Illinois down one to Chattanooga. Who's on the court for Illinois? And who's playing point guard? It'll be. It'll be Justin Harmon. Terrence Shannon. Luke Goody. Coleman Hawkins. Dane Danger. Okay. Okay. So you're playing. Harmon has the ball in his hands. Down one, a minute left in the season. He's running the show. Harmon is getting to the right wing for a Coleman to Dane cross screen. Throw it into Dane, and then let's let's work. Let's work. All right. I, I think I have a slightly different answer. Terrence Shannon is at point guard. Mm. If they're they're down one with a minute left in the season, the ball is in their best player's hands. And uh, he's he's operating at point guard. He's surrounded by three indie guys, which means we have Sincere Harris on the court, which means we have Luke Goody on the court, which means we have Coleman Hawkins at the four. And uh, unfortunately, I don't mean to disrespect Dane Danger, but Dane Danger is going to play the five in this scenario. I don't think Illinois' other guards are going to be on the court in crunch time. Now, I don't know what that does for spacing, but uh, I'm, I'm starting to think we're overthinking this. It's just okay, they don't have a point guard, but the ball's in their potential first-team All-American's hands all the time as if he's the point guard. And, that, and that'll work. That'll work for us. It should work. Okay. Uh, congrats to Illinois fans. We talked about your team in a positive light, I think, right there. That's a win, right? I think. I don't know. I love talking about Illinois. That's the thing. People think it's clickbaiting. 
I just love talking about this program. That's the truth. Yeah. It's enjoyable. What, what am I supposed to do? I like talking about Brad Underwood and what yeah. his, his, he does with his program. I love Terrence Shannon. I love Coleman Hawkins. This topic came from our Discord, uh, the long discussion I alluded to with Ryan Lyon and everybody else. Um, it got me thinking about tournament success and how you evaluate a coach. There's a lot of coaches that have sort of made their careers off of overachieving in March. There's also a lot of coaches who have been plagued and the narrative around them as coaches has become that they're not good coaches because they've had great regular season teams that underwhelm in March. So we have a lot of different opinions on this. I don't think anybody's right or wrong. I think it's very fair to prioritize how much you care about March success differently than somebody else does. But I want your input on how much you think it matters. Does a good coach have to be more successful than the norm in March? Can they just be what they are? Does it mean, like if a coach keeps getting upset in March, like Matt Painter, does that mean that they're not a good basketball coach if they're really good teams with high seeds keep losing early in the tournament? No, because I think it can be, I think two things can like coincide with each other, if that's the right word to use in the situation. I think you can be a good coach who doesn't, who hasn't got it done in March yet. Because for me, I always look at it this way. It really only takes one. Like there's narratives around some coaches. You look back to like before they made Final Fours or before they made it there, the narrative around that coach was, they're a good basketball coach. They just haven't got over the hump. I feel like that's what that's the word you got to use. And getting over the hump can be difficult sometimes. I mean, depending on the matchups, depending on the tournament, if anything about the NCAA tournament we could look at last year, the best teams aren't always going to be the teams that win. The best teams aren't going to be the ones that make the Final Four and win championships. If that was the case, we would not have watched the Final Four that included FAU in San Diego State last year. Like, that's just not how it – that's not how it basketball in the tournament goes. So I just don't – in my opinion, you cannot discredit or say a coach is not good just because they don't have March success, I guess. Um, I think that March success can, you know, propel some coaches. Like, if we're doing tiers, like if I'm doing A, B, C tier, there could be a C tier coach that's a good coach actually – but he can't get to B and A because of his, you know, the tournament downfalls that he has. Um, at the same time, though, I feel like you need to be able to look at tier A and be like, that coach might have had some some okay regular seasons, some okay seasons, but you can't put him on a pedestal just because he had a run to the Sweet Sixteen. If that makes sense, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think it's all I think it's all relative. Um, this all goes back to I don't think it's acceptable to say Matt Painter's not a good basketball coach. I think that's an asinine statement. And this is coming from the Discord, and this is all love in the Discord, and I'm staying middle on this. But I'm sorry. If you don't think Matt Painter is a good basketball coach, I have to seriously consider how you look at the game. That that just is what it is. And you probably say the same thing about me if I said some things about certain coaches or certain players. That's fine. But, like, if you don't think Matt Painters are good coaches, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I guess people come at me for I, – I say some things about Shaka Smart sometimes. Shaka won the Big East last year. Uh, did Shaka win the Big East tournament too? Yep. And he went out in the second round. I'm I'm out on – you know, I'm I'm down on Shaka. Like that's just – and that's why people probably come at me for saying things like that. But uh, I don't know. I think a lot of personal preference comes into it as well. 
Like it's hard to put bias aside. I think when you're discussing coaches. Yeah, it definitely is. And uh, for the record, I don't think the person here, Ryan, the lion is uh, still standing on saying Matt Painter's a bad coach. I think he kind of, I think he got caught a little bit with uh, answering my hot take prompt with Painter should be on the hot seat. And then everybody was like, come on. And then now it's uh, okay. Yeah. I didn't mean he's a bad coach. I just mean that he's underwhelmed or underachieved to me. Uh, I think it's very important to distinguish between doing two things when talking about coaches and tournament success. There's legacy. And then there's how good you are as a coach. A legacy is like, what are your brightest accomplishments? If you make a resume of all the successes and failures you had in your career, that defines your legacy. And there will be coaches who have moments of magic where they make it to a point where they shouldn't make it to, whether that's due to luck, whether that's due to extreme IQ coaching, drawing up the right play at the right time, whether that's due to draw, whether it's due to any circumstance, like it, that defines your legacy to me. It, like we can look back, Porter Moser is always going to be able to retire and say he made a final four as a coach. That is on his legacy. That is there. It's never going away. Um, there is go through Jim Laranaga, Dusty May, and Brian Dutcher. Those aren't three of the four best coaches in the country last year, but they will always have the legacy of the run they made last season. That's important. That has nothing to do with how good you are as a coach to me. And uh, like at a certain point when the sample size is large enough, looking back at the end of your careers, of course, you want to say you coached for 30 years and you got over the hump and you had these moments. But the truth is the greatest coaches in this game often don't have success in March because March is crazy. Every, every single year, there's a variable with the NCAA tournament. It is the most unpredictable event in any sport that we have. And uh, like go up and down the list, literally name me the greatest coaches that we've had. Coach K lost to a bunch of teams way worse than him throughout his career. Yeah, lost to lost to Lehigh, like uh uh Bill Self, Bill Self, Northern Iowa, Ali Farouk Mahesh. John, John Calipari currently keeps losing games he shouldn't lose. Like this, it it happens in sequences. It happens to everyone. That's the important thing here. It, there isn't a coach in the country that just doesn't get bit by the craziness of the NCAA tournament. You literally can't name me one. So it, you can, on the flip side, name me coaches who haven't gotten over the hump. And my opinion, my argument would be that over time, as time goes on, we'll probably see that change. Like if you give Matt Painter 15 more chances at having teams that are in the top four seeds, at some point he's going to stumble his way into a really easy draw. Not saying fairly Dickinson wasn't an easy draw, but at a certain point, it's just going to work. Like and I get it. I think it's fair to criticize him. I think it's fair to criticize any coach, like your Shaka thing. I think it's fair, but just step back broadly and realize how much luck is involved with tournament success. There is no luck involved with regular season success. There's not like it's a 30 game sample size. If you win a conference championship, there's zero luck involved in doing that. There's a lot of luck involved. And my favorite coach in college basketball history is one of the biggest recipients of it. Like everyone in the world would point at John Beeline and say that guy was great in March. 
Was he great in March because he had some magic March touch? Or was he great in March because Trey Burke hit a 40-foot jump shot and Jordan Poole made a miracle heave? Like you have to have those moments yeah. and across the board, it like Matt Painter's moments have gone against him in those yeah. games. If you just like, get, pa- just get past St. Peter's and what, what a, what a dialogue we're having about Purdue. If Kihei Clark doesn't make the greatest pass in NCAA tournament history, like yes. they are in the final four and like, and, they might have won it. <laughs> and I, I get like, it, it's, it's bad for his legacy. That's why it goes back to legacy versus coaching ability. If you want to say painters legacy is way behind where it should be. I have no problem with saying, I agree with you there. If you try and spin that into painters, a bad coach or painters, not a good enough coach to win in March. There's something about him as a coach that's holding Purdue back. That's just wrong because at a certain point it's on your players to make those moments happen. Like you as a coach, you can't tell me that Matt Painter was doing anything wrong in the Fairleigh Dickinson game. His players were terrified. That's not on Matt Painter that his guys wouldn't shoot the ball and couldn't make a shot. Uh, and there's other years you could probably pick at. Maybe the, the year where Edie's on the bench and Travion Williams is on the court. Sure, we can nip hey. it. But <laughs> yeah, I forgot this is a pro Travion podcast. Relax. But I'm just saying, like, just just remember how much luck is involved. And if you want to talk about how much the tournament matters, it matters for legacy. It doesn't matter for how good you are as a coach. That's it. I agree. I'm, I'm with you. Okay. That's all. I just feel like it had to be said. We're This is going to be so hard for you because I feel like we have really adopted the torch for Purdue. In a variety, like we want to see Matt Painter win. We want to see this team have success just to kill all these narratives. But if they do that, it directly hurts your team in a great year. No, already already had that base covered. I'm telling you, regular season, they're not gonna they're not gonna hold it in higher regard like they have, and they're just gonna focus on March. That's that's my goal. Okay. All right. So if Michigan State wins the regular season and Purdue wins the national championship, you're okay with that. No, okay, relax on national championship. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, uh, all right, well, all right, all right. Where did State lose? <laughs> did State lose to Purdue in the national championship game? Let's just let's let's go to the final topic today. Uh, again, hot takes. I pulled the meme from Bleacher Reports basketball account. They have Kevin James with a bunch of knives at him, and he's doing the shrug thing. What is your basketball hot take that has everybody after you? Everybody's bringing the torches out, saying we hate Carter Elliott because you strongly believe this take. I think Tyler Kolick would be like the fifth best point guard in the Big Ten. Can you elaborate on that? And I'm already dread. We're not clipping this. I want to make that clear for clickbait cart. Do not clip this and tag Tyler Kolick and say that because you like I'm take. I want Boo Booey. I want Jameer Young. I'd want Braden Smith. Shit, I'd want Bruce Thornton and I'd want AJ Hogard all before Tyler Kolick. Such an absurd take, man. That's. It's just absurd. It's absurd. Is it? Yeah. Yes. Why? Because they were super good last year and his numbers were great. And he was probably what the third best player on that team. He's on the. No, I I'd no. rather have Cam. I don't even think Tyler Cole is the best guard on his team. You think he's the third best player on Marquette last year? Omax, Oso, Cam Jones. He's the best player on that team. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this that's the beauty of this exercise is we're both just going to hate each other's things. I think. Um, okay. Can I throw mine at you? Please. 
Coy basically already said this. I'm just going to take it a step further. I think that Mark Fuse Gonzaga program is the most overrated program in NCAA history. I'm talking specifically his tenure here. Mark Few is a part of this. I think if you ripped them out of the WCC and put them in any other power conference in the sport, they're like Iowa. And like, I'm not saying he would always lose in the first round the way Fran has. I'm saying he would have like a cute second place finish once every 10 years. Everything else would be like fifth, sixth, seventh. And there's just nothing notable about them at all other than fun offense. Even with all those talented teams they have? Well, if you ripped them out in the first place, they never would have gotten those talented talents is the point. But I, look, I think they had one great team. I think they had one great team, and it was the team with Chet. I think every single other Gonzaga team, even the two that made title games, I think were put in a position to succeed because they won 38 games against Pepperdine. And hey, I don't know. Hold on a second. That Jalen Suggs team and Iai and Nevhard and that that Kisper and good Timmy. Team. It was a it was a good team. We had to pretend that was a generational team all season. And then you saw what happened when they went against a generational team. I think it was a great team. I think it was two great. Okay. I mean, yeah. Did they, hard, did they did they ever have a chance against Baylor? Did they have a chance for one second in that game once they stepped on the court? No. So what would have happened if that was in the Big 12 all year? How many games does that Gonzaga team that was generationally good, how many games do they lose in the Big 12 that Baylor eviscerated? I don't know. They beat Kansas over the year. A lot. I'm just – I think they lose a lot. Look, because they – my my issue is more the committee put them as the number one overall seat for like seven years running. Like they had this impressive resume that literally existed of, well, we didn't get tripped up by Pepperdine this year. Like – yeah, that's true. I just, I, I think you could, you could put Iowa, you could literally put Iowa in Gonzaga's spot, put Fran McCaffrey in Spokane, and uh, hopefully he doesn't catch a DUI. And I think they win 38 games a year and get the one overall seat. Like, is it, is it hard? Is it hard to win 32, go 32 and two in the West Coast Conference? And then is it when you're the number one overall seed, is it hard to make the Sweet 16 when you have to play two teams that aren't even in the top 25 to get there? Yeah, it's I'm, not hard. I'm, I'm loving the angle. I respect it. It's not hard. It's not hard. That's all I'm saying. And may, hey, maybe we'll get to see it because the Big 12 is after Gonzaga. Where would you rank Tyler Kolek in Big Ten point guards? Um, Tyson Walker doesn't count for this exercise. Uh, no. I'd rank him second. I'd rank Tyler Kolek second behind Boo. Second behind Boo? Yeah, I'd take him over Jameer Young. I would take him over A.J. Helgard. I would take him over Bruce Thornton and Braden Smith. Gotcha. Yeah, Tyler Kolick is about to be 23. Braden Smith's about to be 20. Braden Smith is better than Tyler Kolick. We don't like age? I thought mm-hmm. age matters in college. I like I like, like age, age, but I there's by the time it's all said and done, Braden Smith is going to be a better basketball player than Tyler Kolick. I mean, are you trying to imply that Tyler Kolek should give up basketball and proceed in his career as a hand, foot, throat specialist? No comment. Nose, hand, throat? Hand, it's ears, ears, hand, nose. Hand foot, hand, foot, mouth? It's ears, nose. I was getting hand, foot, mouth disease confused with ears, nose, throat. Yeah, which is an ENT. Shout out to Mr. Harkins. Okay. Well, that's my new thing. The way we did like the Wisconsin accounts. Oh. My, my new thing is not accountant. It's... 
ear, nose, throat specialist. Can't like get ready, get ready to get ready to get ready to go to medical school. Tyler Tyler Kolick should not be on the basketball court. He should be studying for his ear, nose, throat exam. Like, I mean, okay, that there's my there's my knife take. That's why people throw knives at me. All right, it's disrespectful. I don't like that take. You don't like my take either, though. That's why it's a hot take. That's why I actually like your. I like your take. Oh. You convince you convinced me. Nice. On the note of Iowa, by the way, I think that Iowa was the best team in the country the year they had Keegan Murray, and they just flamed out again. Gonzaga beat that team too, by the way. Yeah, good game, fun game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> fun, fun topics today. Great show as always. Let's get to one big thing presented by Bigby. Hmm. This might be the first episode I came to in a while where I did not bring my one big thing, but I think. Do you have yours? I have mine, sure. Can you go first? Yeah, I just have a little PSA out there. So uh, I want to let everybody listening to this know that if you're kind of like, if you're nervous or kind of uneasy about something or you're going through something, it's okay to maybe like address and acknowledge that like something might be wrong and you should take steps to fix it. That That's where I want to come from. I went to the doctor yesterday, clean checkup, just to like a happy little, I don't know what, whatever it's called checkup, right? Went, everything went great, but I've been having some issues with my vision lately. That is kind of trippy, to be honest. Like I've just, my vision's getting worse. I can tell I'm 30. Like I said, like getting up there, both my parents wear glasses. I've never worn glasses or contacts or anything. And it's kind of just like, like the last month has kind of tripped me out doing a lot of things because my eyes have been really sensitive. So like was nervous to go to the doctor about it. Talked about it though. It felt really good to talk about it. I got a little follow-up appointment with a, an optometrist in a month. So like, I feel better about it. It's okay. I'm going to go get this solved and, and get my problems fixed. And if you're having a problem at home, it's okay to address them. You don't have to run from it. Everybody has problems and uh, you can fix them and feel better about it. Wow. Love that. Love that take, Gregory. I need to be more mindful of that as well because I'm scared of all doctors, dentists, and all those type of things. But I do do my I do do my yearly checkups or whatever that you know requirement is. So make sure what, though, vi- vi- vision issues are a scary thing because like, yeah, you just yeah. like you you wear glasses though, don't you? No, they're just blue light. Oh, they're not actual prescription glasses. That bit too, yeah. There's blue light, very reflective. Oh. But okay, gotcha. like yeah, it's just the sensitivity, man. Like my eyes have been hurting when I'm just like outside. It's like this isn't supposed to happen. That's not good. Do you wear your blue light glasses when you work all day? Like you used to, because you're staring at a screen. I try to. Yeah, that is the thing. I stare at screens literally all day. Yeah, gotta gotta wear the blue light glasses for sure. Okay, uh, my one big thing is with you know Halloween coming up and things like that. Um, it's great to have decorations like pumpkins, but like when your pumpkin starts like losing life and looking like lifeless on your porch, get rid of the pumpkin. Okay. Uh, one, it looks terrible. And two, it attracts animals as well. So like just, we don't need pumpkin seeds all over your porch with a, a melted pumpkin and there's squirrels and all types of rodents probably around and stuff like that. Ants and things like that. So if you're going to have a pumpkin out there, at least change it out every once in a while. I don't need to see your dead pumpkin. I'm dying at you thinking of a pumpkin slander take in the middle of <laughs> me talking about my eyes. That's just a great, great work by you to come up with that on the fly. That was pretty solid. Thank you. All right. Good episode today. Uh, we even got it in in our time limit. I think that's our first hour long episode in a very long time. So kudos to us. 
Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. Everybody subscribe to the Discord link in the description and we'll see you tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.